Section number 12 of Essays on Art. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Essays on Art by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, translated by Samuel Gray Ward. Section number 12. Letter 4, Part 1. I have again a convincing proof of your friendly remembrance, in this first part of the Propylaeum which you lend me, and still more in the accompanying manuscripts, which by their greater fullness make a livelier impression and give clearness to the subject. You have answered the challenge in the end of my last letter in right friendly fashion, and I thank you for the gracious reception with which you honored the short history of my collection." These printed and written sheets of yours bring back to me and mine those pleasant hours of which you were the author, going so far out of your way in the inclement season to visit a private collection in which at least you found satisfaction in various ways, and its possessor had the good fortune to secure a hearty friendship without any long preliminaries. I recognize in these pages the principles you then maintained, the ideas you were chiefly interested in. I see that you are unshaken, nay, that you are advanced, and I venture to hope that you will hear, not without interest, how it has been with me in my sphere. Your writings inspire, your letter challenges me. The history of my collection is in your hands, whereof I may make farther use anon. At present I have some wishes, some facts to lay before you. Through the contemplation of the works of art to keep alive in the mind a high, unapproachable ideal, by our judgments of what the artist has accomplished to fix the great scale whose divisions are made after the best we know, earnestly to seek out whatever is most perfect, to point out the fountainhead to the lover of art as well as to the artist, to place him on a high point of view, to let history as well as theory, criticism no less than practice, all center in a single aim. This is praiseworthy and beautiful, and such a labor cannot be unprofitable." The essay master seeks by every means to purify the precious metals, in order to ascertain a certain weight of gold and silver as a fixed standard to try all the mixtures that may come before him. Then you may take as much copper as you will, you may increase the weight, lessen the value, you may mark the coins or wear accordingly to understood custom, do what you will, the cheapest small coin or even counterfeit may pass for what it is worth, so long as we have the touchstone, the crucible at hand to give a correct estimate of its real value. Allow me now, without taking you to task for your strictness and severity, to follow out my similitude and call your attention to certain grand divisions which neither artist nor amateur can dispense with in daily life. But still, I cannot proceed at once to this my wish and purpose, for there is still something in my mind, nay, upon my heart. I have a confession to make which I cannot withhold without proving myself unworthy of your friendship. It cannot offend nor displease you, therefore I will venture it. Every advance is a venture, and only through daring to do we make sensible progress. And now let me delay no longer, lest you suppose what I have to say be of more consequence than it really is. The possessor of a collection, who, no matter how willing he shows it, must yet exhibit it oftener than he would, but he never so good and harmless cannot help becoming a little malicious." He sees entire strangers giving their opinions and fancies without hesitation concerning objects with which he is perfectly familiar. On political subjects, we do not find occasion to force our opinions upon strangers, 
nor would good sense allow it. But works of art attract us. No one feels any gêne in their presence. No one doubts his own impressions, and in that he does well. But further, no one doubts the correctness of his impressions, and this is not so well. Since this collection came into my possession, I have met but one man who did me the honor to believe that I knew how to judge of the value of my own things. He said to me, my time is brief. Let me see in each department that which is best, most remarkable, rarest. I thanked him, and he said that he was the first who had made such a request. And I trust he did not regret his confidence in me. At least he seemed to go away fully satisfied. I would not say that he was a remarkable connoisseur or virtuoso. His manner even showed a certain indifference. And perhaps a man is more interesting to us who love some part than he who simply values the whole. This man, however, deserved mention from his being the first and the last who did nothing to rouse my secret spirit of mischief. Even yourself, let me confess it, gave food for my quiet malice, without lessening thereby my respect and love. I was not only obliged to remove the maidens from your sight, pardon me, I cannot but chuckle to myself when I think how you ever and anon cast an eye to the door, while we were examining the cabinet of antiques and bronzes. But the door would not open again. The children had disappeared, leaving the wine and the biscuits. A wink from me, and they departed, for I did not mean that my antiques should share a divided attention. Forgive this confession, and remember how, on the following morning, I made you full reparation and placed before you in the garden house not only the painted but the living family pictures, and procured you the satisfaction of that pleasant conversation in sight of the charming landscape. Not only, I said, and not only, it must remain, for my long parentheses had destroyed my period, and I must begin a new one. From the first, you did me an especial honor— by seeming to understand that I had the same views with yourself, that I also knew how to appreciate those works you most highly prized, and I can say with truth that, for the most part, our judgments agreed. Here and there I thought I saw a vehement predilication, perhaps even a prejudice, but I let them pass and thanked you for your quick-sightedness in regard to various unobserved matters, whose worth had escaped me in the crowd." After your departure, you continued to be a subject of conversation. We compared you with other strangers who had visited us and were thus led to a general comparison of our guests. We found a great variety in the way in which people regard art and their ideas concerning it, yet again certain inclinations appeared more or less in the various persons. We began to class together those of similar tendencies, and the book in which the names are entered helped our memory." Thus, for the future, is our malicious spirit changed into observation. We looked at our guests more closely and arranged them into the following groups. I always speak in the plural number, for I took the girls along with me in this as in all other matters. Julia was especially useful and had great luck in placing her people right, for women have an instinct for men's prejudices. Yet Caroline could not allow the highest rank to such as were not fully impressed with the rare and beautiful specimens of English mezzotontent which her quiet chamber is adorned, of which number you are one, but still your want of perception has not lowered you much in the good child's graces. End of section 12